What's poppin' everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Gutter brought to you guys by Motive Bowling. Last week during the episode 100, we talked about the brand new bowling balls. We have the brand new Evoke and the brand new Tank Rampage Pearl for Motive. And I am beyond stoked for these bowling balls. On top of that, obviously we have some brand new merch. We have a brand new like red polo. We have a brand new pullover. We have a brand new t-shirt that matches the Evoke, which is like a bright pink and green logos. It looks really sick. Obviously I'm wearing the identity t-shirt right here. So if you guys are looking for the best bowling balls on the market, make sure you head on over to motivebowling.com, visit your local pro shop or head to buddiesproshop.com and get motivated. Of course, this is DJ. I'm joined by Kurt. Kurt, what's popping? What up, DJ? How's your week <laughs> been in it and how's bowling and everything been for you? My week's been all right. You know, been working a lot, like a lot, a lot, but yeah. uh, all is good. I was able to get Saturday off and do some bowling. So it hasn't been too bad. How about yourself? Um, it's been a rough couple weeks. If you guys hear me right now, I obviously sound a little bit different. I'm just getting over like a sinus infection slash like losing my voice. And in my brain, I feel like I sound like 14 year old Justin Bieber, which is really weird. I think it's a song. I can tell you. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a couple weird days and I've just have been feeling really under the weather as far as like my voice goes. So yeah, it's been kind of weird, but we're, uh, we're going to get into obviously the podcast and everything, you know, along with that. So, of course, the first thing that we talk about is our weeks of bowling, right? We recap our weeks of bowling, and this part of the podcast is brought to you guys by Mojo's DJ Services. So, if you guys have any entertainment purpose needs, make sure you head on over to mojosdjservices.com, where you can hit up Mojo's Disc Jockey Services on Facebook. So, Joe's got a full list of bangers. He's got everything you can need. He's got fog machines, street lights, strobe lights, anything that you could possibly want. So, for any entertainment purpose needs, make sure you head on over to mojosdjservices.com. So, Kurt, let's dive into it. What was your week of bowling like my week of bowling was nothing too crazy i did not bowl league as i was working on afternoon shift so i had saturday off because it was one of the final it was our final weekend for the molson masters qualifying um i had to skip out on the players tour to bowl it but this tournament means so much to me so i bowled two squads the first squad i decided i wanted to hook the lane and there were multiple ways you could play this pattern you could either big hook it or kind of go straighter with urethane um, so I decided to hook it the first squad. And if you miss like at all, you were going to split. I didn't bowl that well. I shot nine Oh two for five. And then I bowled the second squad, decided to go this, the other route and throw urethane. started off. Well, went two seventeen, one eighty five, two seventeen, And then my last two games, I went one sixty nine, one sixty nine, And that put me at, 957 which at the time was 38th and the top 40 make the cut and after the final qualifying squad on sunday that i could not bowl due to work um i fell down to 46th so i didn't make the cut this year so no match play for me which is quite upsetting but i left a lot of pins out there i missed at least one two pin i missed a six pin i missed a couple 10 pins and i think i had two gutter balls wow so. okay yeah, that's a tough. Yeah. yeah, it is. And I think I missed the cut by about 20 or 30 pins. Okay. Yeah. So a couple spares here or there and or non gutter balls on strikes or whatever they may have been. And you would be in the cut. Yeah. Yeah. One of those gutter balls was the second shot of the 10th. I struck on the first one. Then I threw it in the gutter and got nine. So yeah, that's tough. That is tough. Uh, but other than that, you know, my swing felt amazing. I felt very strong throwing the ball because I have mm -hmm. been working off the lanes and building up my strength and making sure I can repeat shots. And I felt like I was doing a pretty good job at that. 
And, you know, I have some positives to take away from it. Just unfortunately, those missed spares and untimely gutter balls cost me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So how was your week of bowling, DJ? You know, I saw a quote uh, this week that I think sums up my last two weeks and including even though I had a vacation and it's funny because like everything with the podcast has been going really well. Um, But the quote was that sometimes you crank that soldier boy and sometimes that soldier boy cranks you. And (laughs) I've been cranked uh, this last two weeks, even while I was on vacation. um, You know, there was a delay in my flight and everything just went downhill, basically. And this past week of bowling kind of summed that up, right? So uh, Wednesday, bowling was not great. I didn't really bowl well, whatever it may be. Um, Saturday, I ended up going to the Players Tour. And the reason why was because for the end of the year, you need to have two qualification, or uh, you have to bowl t- um, two Players Tours in order to qualify for the finals. And I haven't been to a Players Tour yet this year. So I was like, all right, I literally have three chances left. And one of the three, I'm gone. Like I already have another vacation plan. So I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make it. So I have to bowl this one and I have to bowl the doubles. So yeah, ended up going to the Players Tour and the first game, I I struck once during practice. And when the game actually started, I decided to go with the ball that I struck with. And unfortunately, I was throwing everything out the window. Everything was right. Everything was right. And the ball that I was throwing, I was throwing a black venom. And I just, you couldn't leak it right. Because as soon as you leaked it right, you were 2.8.10, 2.8, something like that. And I waited like five or six frames to even try and do something different. Like instead of moving left and slowing it down, um, I tried to force what I the only the only ball that I had that I struck with was the ball that I tried to force basically, and I shot one thirty something the first game, and I was like, "That's a terrible start." That being said, I didn't think scores were that high, but it ended up being over two hundred for the first game, which was kind of surprising to me because everywhere you looked, it didn't seem like scores were that high. So yeah, I, I just really screwed myself basically out of the gate. Kind of finished off decently. Like I was probably right around even maybe minus 10 for the last four games. So that first game just really did me in. But the the biggest takeaway that I had from the players tour was that I was 12, 12 for 12 on single pins, which was a huge thing for me. You know, I've been talking a lot about how bad my spare game's been. Now, that being said, I did miss quite a few multi pins. I think I probably missed like three other multi pins technically. So I think I had six mismakables. Three were like a bucket, uh, a two, four, five, and then maybe another bucket. And then the other three were all washout combinations. So although they're makeable, a little bit tougher, right? Um, so that wasn't a great day. And then halfway through the tournament was when I lost my voice. So it felt really weird to be like trying to talk to people while I lost my voice or while I was losing my voice. So um, that happened. And then I drove all the way home. After the tournament on Saturday, woke up and bowled my one squad of the Molsons um, and I, I don't I don't know how to just say this, right? Because the Molsons is a great tournament, obviously. Like it's been going on for so many years, but my care level is very up and down with it. Like obviously I want to make match play, but also at the same time, I'm like, I don't really care if I make cut at Molsons. Like obviously I want to bowl well, but at the same time, like the tournament itself, the way that it's ran and everything like that is just like, if I make it, I make it. If I miss it, I miss it. It's not a big deal. It's not like that dream tournament for me like it is for you. So I bowled one squad on Sunday. And again, on fresh, bowled awful. Um, I shot buck 40 or buck 50, something like that on fresh. And I don't know exactly what it was. I don't know if I had the wrong ball in my hand, if I was trying to do something differently because Darren was on our pair and he decided to throw urethane and I had a urethane there. I maybe should have went to that. Maybe shouldn't have. I was 
just really didn't make a choice, right? So I, I made the wrong choice, I should say. So um, bowled really bad out of the gate and then shot like 240 and then continued shot like 180, 190, 180 or something like that. I did miss three single pins. So that's basically the difference between me making cut and me missing cut. And that was kind of a tougher pill to swallow considering I went 12 for 12 the day before and then missing three and five games after it was like that sucks. Um, but yeah, overall, I think I just, the first game I, I kind of did myself in maybe not making the right ball choices and then just some really errored shots. And I think that my biggest takeaway from the weekend is that um, my miss right now is I really need to focus on my tempo because I get quick to the line. And I think that happens with my spare shots is I get too quick to the line and I pull or push the spare shots uh, when I'm missing single pins or when I'm missing multi pins. And then the same thing is like, I'll get a little fast to the line and I'll throw an aired shot, which will end up in a six count or seven count on a strike or on a spare. And that just loses a lot of pins and forces you to make harder multi-pin spares. So um, that was my two takeaways from the weekend was that at least I had a tournament where I went 12 for 12 on single pins, but then it really showed me that especially in game one on fresh that I really need to focus on my tempo and make sure that I'm getting to the line consistently. And even if I'm not in the right part of the lane, at least I'm throwing repetitive shots. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, 12 for 12 is a great day when it comes to your spare shooting, but yeah, that's unfortunate, you know, same deal with you and the Molson's missing in the cut by, you know, a few, few pins there, a few spares. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't, I don't know what how many I ended up missing by. Um, I just know that I think going into the last game, I was thinking I was like minus 34. And uh, Steve Cubis and I, another guy that made cut of the Molsons, was talking. I was like, it's probably going to be right around minus 30, I would say, maybe minus 25. And I was like, I need 2-teen. And um, yeah, it just uh, as soon as that was done, I was like, I can't get to anything over 2-0. I was like, it's over with. So yeah, that kind of sucked. But like I said, I'm not heartbroken by it. If it was a bigger tournament, if the tournament meant a little bit more to me, then I would be a little bit more upset but uh like i said it was more of, of a frustrating day because i missed three single pins after going 12 for 12 and obviously single pins aren't the only objective of bowling but when that's been a big thing for me in my game to go up and then go back down that makes it kind of tough yeah yeah that's unfortunate so yeah the match play for the molsons is a lot of fun i bowled it last year and i just love to bowl that match play so i uh yeah I was a little upset that I didn't make the cut this year, but at the same time, like I said, I've been working a lot, so I guess I get to go to work and make money instead. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed money always wins. But um, yeah, either way, it was uh, it was a rough week. But you know, that being said, um, obviously we had episode 100 last week out with Daria. You guys have been killing it. I mean, this episode has blown up and, um, you know, the, as you guys are listening to this, the YouTube video has already been posted on our YouTube at the, on the gutter, uh, YouTube page. So make sure you guys go on over there, subscribe to it, watch the video. Um, there is a bit of a, a technical error. So it turns out that there's like a little bit of a delay, um, or a leg with the video with Daria. So you'll hear her talking, but her mouth doesn't match the, her talking. So, um, hopefully we'll work on that moving forward and just have better internet, internet connections, but we can't always control that. So uh, yeah, that is officially up. So if you guys haven't been over and you want to watch the video, go on and over there and do that. But yeah, don't forget to enter the giveaway, obviously, um, for the original post of the uh, 100 episode with Daria on the on the gutter Facebook page. Just go over there. Um, and like I said, you know, comment what your favorite episode is, take uh, a friend. And then if you're doing it on YouTube, watch the video. And then same thing, leave a comment of what your favorite episode is via audio, and then shout out your favorite YouTuber, bowling YouTuber, anything like that. So um, as always, we'll get into the weekend recap so kurt what do you got for us so our weekend recap as always is brought to us by buddy's pro shop buddy's pro shop wants to recognize your success 
by introducing the Buddies Pro Shop Bowler of the Week and Month programs. Winners will be hooked up with free Buddies merch with one lucky winner winning a free ball of choice every month. To find out more details on how to enter, head on over to Buddies Pro Shop on Facebook and you'll find out how there. So this week we only had one PBA regional. It was the PBA 50. This was the PBA 50 Western Bowl Western Bowling Proprietors Insurance Central slash Midwest Open. Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, and the winner here winning $2,000 was Tom Adcock. And we had a couple Johns to run out the top four. We had John Ver- Verbich, John Marsala, and John Shree. Wow. John so literally, Shree. yeah, literally three Johns and then Tom and John, Tom P, Tom beat all the Johns. Tom beat all the Johns. Nice. Wow. That's uh that's interesting. I wonder if there's ever been a regional or a tournament where all four or five people have had the same name. That's got to be close. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. But yeah. That's definitely the closest. It's got to be if it's, if it hasn't happened. That's sick. Well, shout out to Tom for winning that one. And uh, anybody named John throw it better, I guess, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. That's, that's a tough coincidence. Um, But yeah, again, you know, we've talked about, it. there's not a lot of regionals going on right now. And obviously there's not really a lot of tournaments going on, um, mostly because of PBA. I'm sure we're going to start to see more pop up, but there were a few that I saw this past week. So we had Billy Orlikowski. He won the 2024 Muskegon Masters. Um, so Billy is obviously an amazing bowler, so that doesn't surprise me at all. We had Michael Haugen Jr. He won uh, his second career CBE Open um, at the DV event. So um, cool to see Michael Haugen. He's always been one of my favorite bowlers. Uh, I don't know why it is. I think it's just like the straighter is greater kind of mentality. Like he's always kind of been that person for that. Um, and then obviously we had the players tour and that was won by Hartwin Urbanski and he was throwing a crimson jackal. So, you know, those motor ball, bowling balls do be striking and uh, Hartwin and I were talking, he threw an evoke. Um, he threw a, ja- a crimson jackal and I think he might have thrown a jackal ghost for a little bit as well. So uh, shout out to Hartwin for that win. It was uh, really cool to see him get a W there and he had a really cool duck jersey on. I don't know why it was cool, but I thought it was nice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, And then obviously there's a few other announcements. So Team Canada was officially selected. And as you know, we are both technically Canadian. I figured we could kind of recap that. So Kurt, if you want to recap the men's uh, team that we had the selections made for. Yeah. So the men that made Team Canada were the PBA Tour men's um, uh, Canadian bowlers. So we had Graham Faw, Mitch Hupe. Nathan Reyes Lejoie. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I think it's Ray Lejoie, but yeah. Ray Lejoie and of course Francois Lavoie. Yeah, so obviously not a surprise. Um, you know, there's a lot of returning members, uh, especially with Darren and Jungo. But obviously Team Canada coming off the year that they had last year at the IBFs and winning gold was obviously a huge thing. So not really a surprise to see those four guys who bowl on the tour full time to be the ones that were selected to the team. Yeah. Yeah. No surprise at all. That's completely what I expected the selections to be. And uh, what a great team. Yeah. And then on the women's side, we had uh, my past partner, uh, Miranda Panis, who has been a longtime member of Team Canada. We had Karine Bouchard, who we spoke about after Team Canada trials and just the performance that she put on, given the circumstances that she was in. So um, it was really great to see Karine uh, back selected again. We had a good friend of mine, Brittany Turcott, selected as well. She was on the team last year. And then, of course, a YouTube sensation, Sarah Clausen, who's also been on Team Canada for a long time, was selected. So uh, just shout out to all those people that 
were selected. Um, you know, like I said, last year at the IBF Team Canada did have a pretty good showing. I think that the men won gold and I think the women won bronze or silver. So kind of going to be interesting to see this year of with the IBFs of how many countries show up, what teams show up and how well Canada does considering they have a lot of returning members this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think Canada made some great selections and they have some good teams that they can send out to these events. Hopefully there is some more participation from other countries this year and uh, there's a great tournament running. Yeah, absolutely. And then also just want to give a shout out to the 2023 adult bowlers of the year for uh Canada for slash CTF. So um, we had Jad Cote on the women's side. So Jad is an amazing bowler. She bowls for Youngstown uh, University and she's incredible. She's an absolute powerhouse. We love Jad. And then uh, on the men's side, we have past guests of the podcast, past co-hosts of the podcast, Mr. Mitch Hupe. Uh, Mitch has had an incredible year, both on the PBA tour and internationally. So really cool to see those two win uh, Canadian bowler of the year. Yeah. Unbelievable talent. So congratulations. Yeah, of course. So, you know, talking about Mitch in the PBA, we obviously uh, just had the U.S. Open. So let's talk about it. Yeah, yes, we did have the U.S. Open, another major. So let's go through the U.S. Open. Bill O'Neill, who won the first major of the year, has made this stepladder as the number five seed. Got off to a hot start, front six, and unfortunately, he fell to EJ Tackett, 212-209. Yeah. So the defending champion moves on to the second match. Um, in this match, Kyle Troop, the three seed, gets the win 212 to 200. Kyle Troop then uh, takes down Jason Belmonte, 229 to 157. Belmo had some struggles there. And in the championship match, Kyle Troop wins the U.S. Open, beating Anthony Simonson, the one seed, 223 to 181. And Kyle Troop is the U.S. Open champion and the winner of a hundred thousand dollars yeah so a couple things i want to dissect there right and i love facebook i love keyboard warriors i love it so much right bill o'neill starts off super strong goes pba washout gets one uh strikes pba washout gets one everyone's like well why didn't he go for count what do you think he was trying to do like he was trying to make the spare uh, but when you're a pba bowler when you're a bowler you're trying to make the spare but you're trying to get as much count as you want i guarantee you bill was not trying to pick off one pin just to be like oh i can do this twice in a row like that's not a thing that was happening um you know ej capitalized on that and i know for a fact bill i bet you if he went back you'd probably shoot it the exact same way because that's how he shoots that spare and it just blew my mind at how many people were like, why didn't he go for count? Why didn't he go for three? It's like he's trying to make the spare and he's thinking that if he misses a little bit right or like if he hits, if he hits it directly he, the way that he wants it to, he's going to make it. If he misses it a little bit left, he's going to get three off the left, right? Like that's the mentality. It was just a, kind of a fluke being that he did it that he picked off the head pin both times like that probably wouldn't ever happen again. So um, that kind of blew my mind, but obviously EJ, like I said, kind of capitalized on those opens threw some really good shots and won that. Then you go to the second game and Kyle's ball reaction kind of gets a little wonky towards the end of the, the match there. And then EJ has a chance in the 10th frame to get up there and strike to win. And unfortunately he kind of tossed one wide, but um, still a great showing overall for EJ considering I know that, during qualifying, he was a little far back and then kind of built it up throughout the squads of uh, match play. And then yeah. you move on to Belmo, where you have Kyle, who's coming off uh, a win against EJ, past player of the year, and you're bowling Belmo, who's arguably one of the best of all time. And Belmo's ball reaction was just wasn't there. Um, and that's probably one of the worst games that we've seen from Belmo on TV in a long time, shooting 150. So I feel like that 
the fact that he beat Belmo, um, even though it wasn't like he struck to win, like the adrenaline may not have been there so much for Kyle, considering of how, uh, considering the game that Belmo bowled. So that kind of, I feel like, made Kyle relax a little bit. And then Kyle's ball reaction just continued to be really great. And Simon was fighting it. Simon was trying to play him a little bit straighter, had his game plan in mind. But overall, like Kyle threw amazing shots, taking down, <laughs> taking down the big three, right? Taking down EJ, taking down Belmo, and then taking down Simo. And when I called it earlier this year, I said, hey, listen, one of the big three will not be player of the year. So far, we have Bill O'Neill winning a major and making a TV show. And now we have Kyle Troop winning a major. I like that prediction already. And that's not a diss against Belmo, EJ, or Simo. I, I don't ever want to diss those guys. But this had potential to be one of the greatest U.S. Opens of all time. Like having those five guys, especially with Bill coming off the first major of the year, that yep. was like one of the craziest U.S. Opens that we could have had. Like one of the best step ladders that we may have ever seen uh, as far as the U.S. Open goes. As far as bowling goes, that was an amazing step ladder to have that much, you know, those guys on that uh, on that show was unbelievable. And uh, Belmo even tweeted, that he said this is his favorite stepladder he's been a part of in his entire career. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I think that was an amazing stepladder. You know, I'm, I didn't, I didn't think troop was going to be the one to, to run through those guys, but he did it. And it was amazing. You know, EJ's shots, he really looked, he didn't look very confident in a lot of them. He threw them and he just looked like they maybe got off his hand wrong or a little off target. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it didn't work out for him that day, but, and congratulations to Kyle Troop. What a great performance. Yeah, I think most people, if you're looking at that step ladder, right, you have the big three and then you have Kyle Troop and Bill O'Neill. I'm sure most people are going to pick EJ, Simo, or Belmo to win the tournament. And then yeah. Troop and Bill O'Neill will lose to one of those guys. But yeah, it's just been one of those years that like so far we have Bill O'Neill making uh, a return, obviously, into form after the last couple of years that he's dealt with. And then Kyle Troop coming back and winning this tournament. So it was really cool. And, you know, on top of that, like, I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room. Yeah, there was some big controversy at the U.S. Open. Something massive happened with one of the bowlers who made cut. And it's something that I'm not going to really speak about. I'm obviously going to address it and say that it did happen. You know, I'm sure there'll be more that will come out throughout the next couple of weeks and everything like that. But the fact that all this kind of happened at the, the U.S. Open, and if you don't know about it, you can pretty much Google it or go to any forum on Facebook as far as bowling goes and you'll see what's going on, but just a really, really bad situation. I, I, don't, I really don't like talking about it, but it happened at this U.S. Open. And on top of that, there's a lot of international players there, um, which was always exciting. And uh, again, having the big three in the stepladder, it was amazing. But our guest this week is none other than Mr. Landon Jordan. And Landon, we've talked about him a ton on the podcast, and him and his brother Griffin. And Landon finished 15th at the U.S. Open. Having a kid at the age of 17 make the U.S. Open cut, make it a match play, bowl against guys like Belmo and Simo and EJ and Bill O'Neill and, and all this stuff is like, it's crazy. So we have Landon on to talk about, obviously, how his stardom has been, winning junior goals, and all of a sudden making match play at the U.S. Open. So it was a crazy U.S. Open in every aspect, I think, of the word because controversy one of the best step ladders that we've ever seen and then having landon jordan 17 year old make the uh, match play at the u.s open is just an incredible overall event yeah this u.s open was just craziness you know in its entirety and congratulations to landon jordan what a performance you know this kid is so confident we've talked about him so much on this podcast and you know can't wait to watch his career going forward but what an amazing performance
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, make sure you guys stick around to the interview with him because, like I said, it's it's a really cool interview. Um, really, like, kind of humbling. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'm 28 years old. I'm trying to get out there and practice. And then I'm talking with a 17-year-old kid who could beat my brains in any day of the week. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, he's so good. So, uh, like I said, make sure you guys stick around to the interview with him. But as always, we'll get into the BTM quote or the Bowling This Month quote. And this week is brought to us by Dr. Dean Hinnitz. And it says, taking your best shot. So, it seems like there's a, a bit of a common theme going on here. But this says, the novelty of skill development has you piecing together all of your moving parts into uh, the symphony of action that goes into a single shot cycle. So kind of like our quote last week talking about you have to commit to your best shot. So what's your take on this quote, Kurt? Well, it's actually something like you mentioned earlier with uh, your tempo, right? Um, it's making the best shot is going to require you to piece together uh, different parts of your swing and your approach in order to make the best, you know, physical game that you can have. And I think when I read this quote, I instantly think of when I practice, it's that you want to focus on one thing when you're practicing. And that's kind of what this says, you know, you're developing your game and you need to focus on one thing at a time and piece it together over time. And I think this is a, you know, pretty good quote, pretty, you know, different way of wording it, but yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And I think it kind of has to go with what I've been talking about a lot on this podcast, as far as a bowler is being a puzzle, right? And that includes taking your mental game, your physical game, your, uh, your understanding, your experience, all this stuff, and kind of building all these little pieces of the puzzle to become the most complete bowler that you are. This is basically just a smaller scale of that when it comes down to one shot, right? Is taking all those things that you need to take and just putting it all together to create a symphony, to create a nice sounding shot, right? And, um, I think obviously Dr. Dean Hinnance is the best or one of the best, uh, you know, knowledgeable people when it comes to bowling and everything to do within the bowling industry. So I can't disagree with it. And it is really tough because, you know, we talk about committing to one shot, committing to the best shot that you can possibly make, but there's so many different things that go into that. Right. And we've talked about this to no end, right. It's just understanding like the balance, the overall release, your speed, your tempo, spare shooting, all this stuff. So yeah, I think it's a really good piece. And I think it's something that some people might take for granted is that if you're not paying attention and you're not, you know, self-aware, I guess, of what's going on in your bowling game, it's going to hurt you a lot because you're not focusing on what needs to be focused on. So um, yeah, obviously a great quote. And uh, yeah, I think it's something that everybody should kind of keep in mind. Yep. Absolutely. Good quote. Yeah. So I believe it is my week for trivia, but before we get into trivia, obviously I just want to remind everybody we have the giveaway going on. So we have five different prizes that are be are given away from different companies. So the fifth prize is one frame at a time, which is a bowling this month book. The fourth prize is a Buddy's Pro Shop pack, which is uh, donated by Buddy's Pro Shop. They have a bunch of merch and stuff. So some really cool things for you guys to win. The third prize is a Turbo Prize pack. So it's got a big value. It's got a bunch of different accessories and everything that you could possibly need in it uh, from Turbo. So just got to give some love to them. The fourth prize or second place prize, I guess you could say, is a custom Chameleon jersey from Chameleon Sportswear. So if you guys are looking for a new jersey, um, you have a chance to win with that. And then the fifth and final prize, the main prize, is a motive bowling ball of your choice. So whatever motive bowling ball that you might want or you might need, you're more than welcome to talk to me, ask me, get my opinion on that. But you'll have a chance to win a brand new motive bowling ball of your choice. And again, the way to enter that is just by heading on over to the On The Gutter Facebook page. 
like I said earlier, just you know, comment your favorite episode and tag a friend, and you'll be entered to win that. And we'll be doing that in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, let's get into the the trivia portion. So, uh, Kurt, it was the U.S. Open, right? Yeah. So I want a couple names. So, you know, we talk about the winners and talk about people who you know always win these uh, tournaments in the majors. But what I want you to do is we're going to go back to 2015, and I want you to list me the runners ups of this tournament the runner ups yes no one remembers the people who finished second well you know what <laughs> i mean if you ain't first you're last but no this is what we're gonna do because there's some big names and again you know we look at simo's season last year and simo won a couple tournaments but was runner up at quite a few different tournaments and uh ej ended up winning player of the year because he won right but mm-hmm. it's also really important to get your points there, right? Like, even if you don't win, to be consistent and be up there throughout the year is very important. So, to be honest, we're going to take a look at, like I said, the runners up. And it's not too bad, I don't think. So, there's a couple of hints that I'll give you. So, right. somebody has been the runner up three times. Tough. <laughs> Tough, yeah. The There has been... Um, I believe three player, four players of the year that have been runners up in this tournament. Okay. And believe it or not, there's only one international person that has been a runner up in the last uh, eight years, nine years. We'll we'll go nine years because we'll include this year. And if you get it wrong, then there's an issue. I don't even remember who won- finished second this year. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, okay. Well, then I know where to start. Right. Anthony Simonson. Correct. So Simo actually including this year, that was his second time finishing runner up. He finished runner up in 2020 as well. Okay. How many names am I looking for? Six. Okay. Well, we got Simonson. Correct. You say four player of the years. I believe so. So I'll say Belmo. Belmo has not finished runner up in this tournament since 2012, 2013. Okay, strike one. Three, three, someone three times, eh? Mm-hmm. So if there's four players of the years, and one of them wasn't Belmo, then I'm going to have to say Tommy Jones. Nope, Tommy Jones has not finished runner-up. I don't show him showing, uh, as a runner-up at all. Huh. Four player of the years. It's um, definitely three player of the years. It may be four. Okay. Um, Andrew Anderson. Nope. That is your third strike. Brutal. Uh, that's what I figured I'd do. That is tough. So I, I could have, I guess, screwed with you a little bit, right? And if you watch the show, they literally talked about this. And I'm surprised that you didn't get this. Kyle Troop finished runner-up last year to EJ Tackett. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then the year before that, EJ Tackett finished runner-up to Anthony Simonson. Mm-hmm. Brutal. And then in 2019, when Francois Lavoie won, he beat Sean Rash in the finals. Okay. 2016, when Francois won, he beat Marshall Kent in the finals. 2015, we had Ryan Simonelli beating Dom Barrett, which was the one international player. And then the person who's finished second three times was none other, none other than Mr. Jacob Buttriff. Wow. Buttriff finished runner-up to Rhino Page in 2017. Dom Barrett in 2018, and Chris Vi in 2021. Yeah, that's a tough go for Buttriff, but uh, yeah. yeah, I should have had Troop. That was that you should have Troop and Tackett. Yeah, probably. So, um, yeah, 
kind of a bit of a tough go. I, I expected you to get at least three, maybe four of those names out of the, the eight names that I needed or six names that I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I should have had those. That was, that was rough. Yeah. Runner ups tough, you know? So you got to remember who finished second sometimes. Cause honestly, like a bunch of those guys have won the tournament and been player of the year. Like I said, Sean Rash is one player of the year, obviously Tackett won player of the year. Um, Simon has been player of the year. And then I don't remember if troop or Buttrip have one player of the year. I think one of them has. So. Yeah, I don't think so. But or maybe. maybe Dom did. I don't remember. I think there's another one that's one player of the year. I'd, I'd have to go back and check. But uh, yeah, overall, obviously a bit of a tough go for you on that one. Yeah, that was very poor. <laughs> if you had asked for the winners, it would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah, you probably would have got like at least two or three. <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that is uh, that's the unfortunate trivia portion and uh now we will get on to the question of the week so the question of the week is asked by sarah and she asks what does bowling mean to us yeah um so sarah messaged me this question and i assume she was talking or she heard the episode with daria because daria talked about like you know what bowling meant to her and everything so i'll let you go first because i usually have a more long-winded answer than you do yeah you certainly do um, so bowling for me, it means a lot to me. It's always been that constant in my life, you know, growing up, I played a lot of different sports and a lot of different activities, but bowling was that one thing I always did. Um, and everything else kind of just went around it. Um, I love, uh, bowling a lot. Um, so like when I was younger, my parents, uh, my parents are divorced, but bowling, they would always come together just to cheer me on. And I always loved having that one thing that my parents would come together to, you know, support me for. And that's always meant a lot to me. And now that I'm competing in bowling, it's basically the most important thing for me because I just love going out and competing, making friends and trying to be the best that I can be. And I try to put a lot into my bowling. So it just, it means a lot to me. And I just don't know. I just don't know what I, what life would even be like without it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much my answer. Uh, let's uh, let's hear what you have, DJ. You know, I, I this is where I hate being long winded because I'm losing my voice slash like whatever this is going on. But, um, you know, I, I had this conversation with my buddies and they're like, hey, listen, like, is there an amount of money that would that you could take to be out of bowling? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, you know, run me enough money for the rest of my life and I'll be good. Like I, I would step out of a bowling alley and never walk back in it again. Um and it's really tough because in my life, everything has been surrounded by bowling. Like ever since I was two years old, it was like one of those things I was basically, I don't want to say forced into, but like that was the option, right? Was, hey, you're two years old. You're going to start throwing a bowling ball with one hand. You know, we want you to bowl and everything like that. Obviously in high school, volleyball and basketball were really prevalent to me. Uh, darts has always been prevalent to me. I raced go-karts for a couple of years. So um, I've had other sports and things like that. But bowling, like you said, has always been the constant. It's always been that one thing that has surrounded me. And going to school on a bowling scholarship was the same thing. It was like I was there to study but bowling was a side job. Bowling was like literally a part-time job for us in college. And all my closest friends, everybody that I basically rely on for the most part, except for like maybe one or two people I've met through bowling. So it's kind of crazy because the most important people in my life have come from bowling. And that's how I met them because that was what my life has been ever since I was able to walk was that's all I've ever known was bowling. 
And, you know, as I get later on in years and, and everything with like relationships and, um, you know, my personal life and, and work and all this stuff, you start to realize like bowling is always going to be there for the most part, right? Like you can take a couple years off and get back into bowling if you want. Bowling is always going to be there, but bowling has been the foundation, I guess, of my life is the way that I can view it, right? Even in my professional job, like my sales experience comes from bowling, comes from being uh, a member of a bowling staff where I can go to pro shops and sell them products. And like I said, going with my friends and being best man and wedding and, and all this stuff. And it's the closest friends I have are because of bowling. So bowling has founded a lot of things in my life. It's been a really big part of who I've become um, because of the lessons that you learn and the people that you meet from bowling. So, you know, bowling obviously means a lot to me. I wouldn't be doing a podcast if it didn't. Um, I wouldn't be kicking my head into the wall uh, at tournaments on weekends if it wasn't something to me. But I've definitely realized that over the years that I need to kind of separate the the bowling and the personal life, even though it's helped founded it, uh, my personal life and my professional life, that bowling is always going to be there. And that's why I feel like a lot of my attitude has changed is because listen, like I, it's a game that I'm choosing to play. It's a sport that I'm choosing to put money and time and practice in. Um, so I only get out of bowling what I put into it. So I can't be too upset if I go to a bowling tournament and bowl bad because there's always more that I can be doing. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's not, life right like i should drop everything right now go and practice every single day go out on tour and just be stressed out of my mind until i start striking out there or i can have my professional life make money have a uh, have a steady job and bowl when i want to so um yeah bowling like i said in hindsight means a ton to me it's everything that i've been it's everything that i grew up to be but it's not the main part of my life anymore like it used to be when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, obviously, I'm forever thankful for the relationships I've had, the friendships that I've made, the places that I've got to travel, the places that I'm going, the podcast, everything that has to do with bowling, I'm super thankful for. And I know that I'm very lucky and very blessed to be in a situation that I am, especially with all the companies like Motive, Turbo, Buddies, Chameleon, everybody. It's been amazing. But at the same time, like I said, bowling isn't my life and it doesn't need to be. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is that bowling is an amazing sport. It's an amazing opportunity, but it doesn't have to be everything that I live and breathe anymore. And that's where, like I said, I think my mentality as far as bowling and competing in bowling bad has gone better because I've kind of taken away and kind of had the larger picture of, you know, bowling and life as, as two separate things instead of bowling being life. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, a little, a little long-winded answer there, but yeah, uh, bowling is. Uh, we've just done it since we were so young, so you know we've made so many friends and have had so many opportunities because of it. So yeah, yeah, it's good that you're not, you know, you don't want to stress yourself out from it, and that you're able to enjoy it and still have, you know, by kind of balancing your life and bowling separately. Yeah, absolutely. And like, even at the player's tour, like I wasn't bowling well, but I was there with a couple of my buddies and we were just having a great time. We we're just joking, laughing. Like it was nice to be in a bowling alley. And honestly, it's been really nice being in a bowling alley in the last like couple of months, just being like, Hey, you know what? I'm just here to bowl. Like, I'm not stressed out about it. If I bowl well, I bowl well. If I don't bowl, you know, great. I don't bowl great. Like it's, it's become a lot less stressful. And now putting, like I said before, putting in all this work, hopefully that my mentality stays the same as I continue to physically get better. So that way I can actually just enjoy bowling and hopefully bowl well at the same time, instead of those two things being opposite right now, where I'm enjoying bowling, but I'm not bowling well. Hopefully those two can kind of come together and, you know, see good results on both uh, spectrums of that, uh, of bowling. 
Yeah. I would love that for myself too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, Sarah, thank you for the message. Um, it was great to hear from you. Uh, like I said, she said that she listened to the episode with Daria where Daria, you know, explains exactly what like bowling has been for her and her family and the ability that she has had because of bowling. So uh, yeah, thanks Sarah for that message. But uh, yeah, obviously if you guys are seeing this on YouTube, don't forget to drop us a comment and leave us a like head on over to the first episode with Daria, like I said, to enter the contest for all the giveaways. Um, and then if you're listening to this audio, same thing, make sure you head on over to uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening, uh, leave us a comment, give us a good review. Um, that will help us out. We do have a new sponsorship deal coming in uh, in hopefully about two weeks that I, I'm floored by. I'm, I'm stoked by. I would have never expected this to happen. So I cannot wait for this new sponsorship to get here. But uh, yeah, obviously, again, thank you guys all for listening. Don't forget to enter, enter the contest. And of course, stick around to the interview uh, with Landon Jordan. Of course, all interviews are brought to you guys by Turbo Grips. So for any accessories that you guys may need, make sure you head on over to TurboGrips.com. Whether you need brand new ice plot twos, uh, wrist constraint, uh, wrist tape, chamois, backpack, bowling bags, whatever it may be. Uh, you guys can all find that at turbogrips.com. If you want a lesson, you can head on over to TurboTech uh, in Chesterfield, Michigan, set up a lesson there and they'll help you out and figure out exactly what you need to see more success in bowling. Uh, but yeah, like I said, make sure you stick around to the interview with Landon. Don't forget to enter the contest. And as always, thanks, Kurt. Thanks, DJ. All right. So like I mentioned, we are joined by a future superstar slash a current superstar slash somebody who's been mentioned a ton on this podcast already. We're joined by none other than Mr. Landon Jordan. Landon, what's going on, dude? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, man. Um, super excited to have you on because your name has been mentioned a ton on this podcast. We take a look at youth bowlers as, you know, they're coming up, junior golds, everything that's been going on. Um, and we try to kind of predict who the next future superstar is. And there's been three names that have been consistently said, and it's yourself, your brother, and Gianna. So I have to ask, how did you get so good at bowling at such a young age? And how did you get into the sport of bowling? I got into the sport of bowling through my parents and my family. My parents got me into youth leagues when I was little, and my dad's been my coach since day one, and he's helped me improve my game to where I'm at now. Um, and bowling's been in my family for for a few generations now, and it's just kind of something we've we've enjoyed doing as a family. And then became competitive and worked. My dad's been my coach, like I said, and I mean he's gotten me, Griffin, and Gianna all to where we are today. And then We've had a few people help us throughout here and there and to, to elevate our games to the next level. And, I mean, just working every day. I, when I was younger, I was in the bowling alley 24-7. Every day after school, I was always constantly in the bowling alley. So that's just kind of how I got to where I am. Okay. So you've been kind of a gym rat and I assume, you know, your brother's the same way. When did you guys start bowling? Was it like, Oh, like a 10th birthday party or was it more like, Hey, we are two years old. We have to be in the bowling alley kind of thing. Where did you really start bowling? My parents have pictures of me, me and my brother pushing the ball down the lane when we were, I mean, before we could even walk. So okay. we've, we've always been in the bowling alley and then uh, we joined the youth leagues when we were like six years old. And that's kind of where it all started. Okay. So you've kind of had the more traditional um, follow-up, I guess. Like that's the same age as me. Uh, I was two years old and I was throwing the bowling ball with one hand because my parents said that if I couldn't swing a bowling ball with one arm, then I wasn't allowed to join the league. And I think you're allowed to join leagues at like three or four. So I was two years old trying to figure out how to do it. So um, it's cool that you guys have both kind of 
been that way, right? Like in the bowling alley from day one, just basically barely able to walk and practicing and getting reps in. So you and your brother um, have obviously been bowling for quite a few years now. And, you know, you guys have seen a lot of success, right? With, I know like the New York tournaments and everything like that. So what has it been like to have this in a way stardom um, as a youth bowler to be so recognized by so many people across the nation because of how good yourself and your brother both are? Yeah, it's super, super cool growing up, you know, really idolizing so many, so many bowlers and watching the youth bowlers that were uh, towards the U18 division when I was in the U12 division and watching what they were doing. And now some of them are competing out on tour and watching them really motivated me to be like them and kind of uh, have success like them. You know, I, I bowled a lot with Mabel Commons and Cameron Crow and Nate Stubler, Kevin McCune when I was little. So watching them now have success uh, is something that definitely pushes me and shows me that I kind of came from the, the same tournaments growing up doing the same things that they're doing that those could help you be successful. Yeah. And honestly, you kind of just hit the nail on the head right there is because there's so many good organizations out in the world, right? Like I know New York, JBTs, MJMAs, where I'm from, like Michigan, we had guys like Tyler Green, Andrew Anderson, um, you know, Sydney Brummett, people like that were bowling these events. And now you see them out on tour. You're like, oh man, like I used to bowl with these kids or, you know, I looked up to them and so on and so forth. So who were the big, I guess, factors? I mean, you said Cam and Kevin and Nate, were those kind of the guys that you were trying to be like growing up? And same with Griffin, was that kind of the same um, goal was to be as good as they are or better than them? Yeah, definitely. When I was little, my goal would always be to beat them. Uh, the ISSTs, actually, I was able to compete against them in the scratch division at, at a very young age. So the goal was always to to compete and to beat them. So learning from them and learning how to compete against people that far ahead of me at a young age, I think really was a huge advantage. Okay. So obviously, you know, you're a youth bowler, you're bowling really well. Um, you're in there practicing basically every day, right? And one of the biggest tournaments throughout the year, if not the biggest tournament for youth bowlers is Junior Gold. Um, junior Gold is a, a huge tournament. So if there's anybody listening who haven't been to Junior Gold, you're a youth bowler or you're a coach and you say, hey, you know, how does a youth bowler get recognized? How do they have a really good um, event? You go to Junior Gold. You go there to get recognized and compete against the best in basically North America. There's some Europeans that come over, um, but but you guys started bowling junior golds, right? And you ended up winning twice in the U15 division. What was that like to be like, oh my gosh, in the U15 division, I'm the best bowler in the world, in North America at least. What was that like for you? You know, my goal, the first goal I had ever when I started getting competitive in bowling was to win junior gold. That was my main goal. And so to be able to go out there and achieve that goal is kind of kind of like the starting point and how far I could go into the sport of bowling, and it kind of showed me uh, how good I can get, you know, achieving my goals and being showing myself that I can be the best and I can win at the biggest stage was absolutely huge for me, and it meant so much for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's incredible, right? Like the Junior Gold introduced the new divisions uh, just a few years ago, and it's allowed for more people to be recognized in each age division as well. I think it helps with like some of the college coaches to say, hey, listen, this kid's 15, this kid's 16, he's 17, whatever it may be. And you are obviously, you know, building up. You win twice in U15, and then you're going U18, and you're, what, 17 years old now? Yeah. So. So what has it been like for you, I guess, to transition from the U15 division to now the U18 division? Last year, junior goal, I didn't have a great performance. Uh, it was really just didn't match up well, wasn't really throwing the ball well. Um, but it was an off year. So 
the transition for me, I'd say, was it was kind of difficult. Um, definitely didn't bring my best like I needed to. Um, but I kind of bounced back and had have some better performances recently and uh, looking forward to this upcoming year. Yeah. And so before we get into what just happened, because you had an incredible for- performance that we'll talk about shortly, what has it been like to have a brother that is competing against you all the time, right? Like we've had EJ and Zach on, you know, we've talked with, I know Darren and Michael pretty well. There's plenty of siblings out there like Nick Pate, Lauren, uh, Lauren Russo now um, that have had these sibling like rivalries, like Jordan Richard, Haley Richard. There's so many good sibling um, duos out there. So what has it been like to have a brother who's sitting there constantly pushing you? And how often do you guys like get into it or bowl for like who does what chores or is that ever a thing for you guys? Uh, we, we definitely compete all the time in practice. We're always pushing each other. Uh, we like to come up with our own games and, and practice to make it a little more fun for ourselves. But um, we always, we're always pushing each other. We uh, know each other's games pretty well. We're, we're at every practice with each other together. We're seeing what each other are working on. We understand each other's equipment pretty well. So to be able to bounce ideas off of each other and to be able to push each other, I feel like is a huge advantage for the both of us to be able to have each other. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the equipment, obviously we're a motive podcast, so we got to bring it up. You know, you guys are with motive. So why motive and what kind of got you guys interested in uh, throwing motive equipment? So my dad's been on staff since 2010 and uh, we have just really close with the motive guys. So that's kind of how we got into it. My dad kind of got us into throwing motive from, from when we started. So we really good friends with everybody out at motive. And that's just kind of how we got into it. Okay. I mean, we got to give some love to the Wilbers and uh, Scott Hewitt and, and everybody over at Motive. They they do an incredible job and obviously make incredible bowling balls and just overall products. But what, as a youth bowler, has been your favorite uh, Motive ball so far? Have you found that as you're bowling some adult tournaments and some youth tournaments, is there any bowling ball that really sticks out to you that you've been able to use um, across the board? Or is there one like that you find a little bit more useful during youth tournaments or adult tournaments? Like, you know, talk us through some of your favorite equipment right now. There's definitely balls that work much better youth tournaments, and I don't see them having much success at a at, at adult tournament. Transitions very different compared to the two, but uh, balls that work at both, obviously the Venom Shocks, the greatest one for me that I had success at any level. The Jack of Ghosts is a ball I've been able to throw at any level. Um, I got a, I've always loved the Desert Tank. The Desert Tank's always been one of my favorite balls in the bag, and I went to with that this year. So um, my top three, uh, the thrills, any of the thrill line has usually had pretty, pretty, a lot of success for me at any event. So those balls of those balls are bringing my, my top few. Okay. I got you. So, you know, we're talking about adult tournaments and the U S open just happened. And this is why we wanted to have you on, right? Not just because again, you've won so many youth tournaments. I bet you've been mentioned 30, 40 times on the podcast over the last two years, but you're just coming off a top 20 and a 15th place finish at the U S open where you had the opportunity to bowl against Belmo, Simo, EJ, Bill O'Neill, Kyle Troop, all these superstars. And there you are 17 years old. And when I was growing up, we had guys like Wesley Lowe, Cameron Doyle, Greg Young, Aaron Yaradovich, like amazing youth talents who were competing with, at that time, Parker Bone, Norm Duke, Walter Ray, um, you know, Chris Barnes, all these guys. But you're the, kind of the, the next generation of doing this. So what was it like for you to bowl so well at the U.S. Open and have the chance to compete against just major superstars of the sport? It was really a dream come true. I mean, my since 
I was young. I wanted to bowl against the best bowlers in the world, and I wanted to compete on the PBA tour. And to be able to do it at such a young age was, was super cool. And being out there for learning from the best in the world and watching them. I, I watch bowl TV every week. I'm watching the PBA tour. So yeah, to be out there and actually competing was super, super cool for me. Uh, I had an absolute blast and just seeing what those guys, what kind of goes through their head, seeing the behind the scenes and everything. It was, it was really, really awesome for me to be out there. So what were the nerves like? What were were you nervous bowling against these guys that you watch every week and that you're like, oh my gosh, like I just love watching bowling. And now you go from watching them on bowl TV or on Fox to all of a sudden competing against them. Day one, I'd say the nerves were definitely there. Um, and then after day one, I was kind of like, you know what? It's just bowling. I just got to go out there and, and do my thing. And then uh, I feel like that really helped. And then match play, I just, I focused on my game. I didn't let whoever I was bowling really get to me uh, I definitely wanted to beat all of them. I think it would be so cool to beat the best players in the world. Right. But, I mean, I just kind of focused on my game, my match, and uh, I wasn't really too focused on the opponent, and I feel like that, that really helped me. Okay. And at one point in the tournament, I think you were sitting third or fourth. I think it was like the first block of match play or something around that time. You were you were up in the top five of the stepladder. Were you aware of that? Was there any nerves that played a factor in that? Did anybody say like, hey, keep it going, you're there? Like what kind of happened during that time when you were up there on the leaderboard? Yeah, I definitely had a lot of guys telling me, uh, you know, great ball and keep it up, keep keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Bill O'Neill told me that, you know, you've made it, you've made it this far. Might as well go out there and do something. So, uh, definitely a lot of the guys were, were giving support and, you know, wishing me luck and telling me to keep it up. But, um, when I was up there, honestly, the nerves were kind of less when I was up on the leaderboard. My goal was to make match play. So when I got higher up in the leaderboard, uh, the goal was achieved. And so then I was just kind of go out there and have some fun and see what, see how far we can go. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible mindset. That's a mentality that I sure didn't have when I was 17. Um, has there been anybody that has kind of taken you under their wing as far as like a, a tour pro that has said, Hey, listen, now that you've been at the U S open or even leading into the U S open, like, was there anybody that took you under your wing to say, Hey, listen, this is how you do things. This is what you are expected to do. Anything like that? Uh, I bowled a couple PBA regionals. So I feel like, you know, Tom has helped me out a little. I bowled against him in a couple regionals and he kind of helped me out a little and he's helped me out at the regionals and stuff. But I feel like from bowling the regionals, I kind of had a, a solid idea. Uh, I work with Andrew Anderson up at TurboTech. I work with him um, coaching, so he helped me out a little bit this week. The ball reps, Brett Spangler, helped me out a lot this week. Um, uh, Belmo came over, and he gave me some advice when he saw that I, I started getting uh, pressing a little. He came over, and he called my mind down. So I'm all really great, but, I mean, it was just so cool to be out there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, shout out to Andrew and shout out to the guys at Turbo. We're a Turbo sponsored podcast, and um, we always love the guys over there at TurboTech and the, and the work that they do. But you know, you have the U.S. Open. Obviously, you finished fifteenth, which is an incredible feat within itself. What are your goals, kind of moving forward for your pro tour, for your college career? Like, what are the goals for you moving forward in bowling? Yeah, I want to bowl collegially. I don't know where yet, but um, visiting, kind of getting an idea, but. Uh, definitely want to compete collegially, hopefully for a national title somewhere. And then my goal is to be on the PBA tour. Uh, really, the goal is to just be be able to make a living out there and compete week to week out on the tour and, and really just continue to enjoy the sport, promote the sport, and just kind of just continue to love the sport really is, is the goal moving forward. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think a lot of people should hold true is like, 
you know, we've had a lot of people on, like we've had Walter and Norm and Pete on, and, you know, they just talk about how their love of the game is always going to be there. It never goes away. Sometimes they have to back away from competition on the national tour, such as Norm did, such as Pete did, because it's just, it's not the same game anymore, but you're still young. Obviously you have a future ahead of you and the game's going to evolve even more and more throughout the year career, and especially through your college career onto the PBA tour. So to hear that you still have the love and the passion and that's what your main goal is, is to continue to love bowling kind of stands out more than just you wanting to be a pro bowler. It shows that you actually have a passion for the sport. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, it's, it's always been my dream to be a professional bowler and I just, I love being out there competing and just figuring things out on the lanes. It's, it's just always been something that I just really enjoyed to do. And I, I just work at a bowling alley. I work at my home center, Mardi Gras lanes. Uh, I work in the kitchen and I work behind the counter and just uh, I work the league nights and work the league. So, wow. So your entire life is basically uh, revolving around bowling then. Yeah. I mean, school and bowling, that's, that's what I do every weekend where we're bowling something after school, it's practice and then work always at a bowling alley. That's, that's incredible. So I got to ask, you know, growing up, who has been that person that you've looked up to, right? Like who is your favorite PBA pro of all time? Or is there an amateur bowler that um, you've, enjoy that you kind of look up to that you want to be like when you grow up is there any pro bowler or amateur bowler that is really your idol my dad's always been someone that i've looked up to he competed you know uh one of the i've been told that he was one of the best amateur players (laughs) um but i so he's someone i've always looked up to and then uh like i said growing up watching like cam crow stubler alex acasa seeing what they're doing and what how Growing up, there were always people that I looked up to and strived to be like, and now seeing how far they've gone and what they're doing now, it's just, it's super awesome. Awesome. Um, so the last question I'm going to ask you is, uh, you know, the U.S. Open happened. Is that the best bowling experience that you've ever had? Is there a tournament that you've won that kind of overthrows making match play at the U.S. Open, or is that the one? Is that the best thing that you've ever experienced in bowling so far? I feel like it hasn't fully sunk in yet, but I feel like kind of when in, in a couple months or whenever it sinks in, I'll look back and be like, wow, that was awesome. I felt like day two was the best block of bowling I've ever had in my career. I, I went 284 over for the block. I led the block. Um, and I, I just, when I finished bowling, I looked back at it and I was like, wow, I just really feel like that's the best block of bowling I, I've ever had in my career. But uh, it's going to be tough, tough to beat a, a success of winning junior gold in my first year. I mean, that was just unbelievable to have that dream come true. And uh, winning the USA Bowling National Championship with uh, my team of me, Griffin, Abby, and Gianna, that we were competing since we were 10 years old. We were competing for that title. So to finally win that one, uh, couple years ago that that one will forever be close to me too yeah and like i said before it is crazy at how much success you've seen already in bowling at the age of 17 how many things that you've already accomplished and you obviously have an amazing career ahead of you um and like i said you know we've talked about it a lot on the podcast between yourself griffin and, and gianna how how bright the future is for got for people like you, uh, for bowlers like yourselves, just seeing so much success and continuing to win and just enjoy bowling overall. So like I said, we wanted to have you on. We are super grateful that you made the time for us, obviously. Um, and, you know, we're super excited to see what you do in the future moving forward. And um, is there anybody that you want to give a shout out to uh, that has helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, huge shout out to my dad. Um, huge shout out to Motive, KR, Turbo, High Five for all their support. Huge shout out to Mardi Gras Lanes and Brian Kohlberg for, I mean, always providing lanes and open out patterns for me to practice on. And shout out to Mike Soper. Thanks to everybody for always supporting me. 
Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Like I said, I appreciate you jumping on and uh, hopefully, you know, once we're back on tour, maybe once you catch that first title, we'll get you back on to kind of discuss it at that point. It sounds awesome. Thank you for having me. Of course. And everybody listening, stay tuned next week for another episode of On the Gutter. Thanks, Landon. Thank you.